Greetings, this is Nancy Gill with the James Exchange, and it is Friday, December the 8th, and I am here with Kristen Freshwater, and everybody knows Kristen as the person behind the bar at Baines. But we're not going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about her love of theater and everything she's been doing at Victory Hall and an upcoming very special radio play. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you for having me. Well, hey, my pleasure. So, (laughs) I met you... A long time ago. A long time ago. And the first question I asked you after I found out that you had been involved in theater was, hey, you want to be the director of the Victory Hall? Players, (laughs) Players, <laughs> we hadn't even established the Victory Hall players. No, <laughs> and you said, Sh- "Sure, I, I guess <laughs> something like that." So tell me. Uh, okay, so that would have been back. I don't know how long ago, but a while ago, uh, 2015 is I think when the year that I came on the Scan board and started uh, working on the uh, in-house theater program, which we called Victory Hall Players, which uh, is basically an educational community theater program where we, um, we put on productions, but also like uh, with an educational slant to it, uh, helping anybody who gets cast with um, learning a bit about the craft and acting and what have you. So I think 2000 and 16 was our first production we did our town and then since then we've done various things including adding these holiday radio plays to the slate of performances which have become very popular and i think people uh look for them now every year we've basically just yo-yoed between doing a christmas carol which is what we're doing this year and it's wonderful life live radio play. They're both written by the same playwright and at this point have a, a familiarity to them and the, and the same characters, 1940 radio personality characters in them. And they're a lot of fun. So yeah, last year we did It's a Wonderful Life and this year we're doing A Christmas Carol again, which we did two years ago. So, And I did go to the first one you did, which was A Christmas Carol. Yeah. I believe. And it was not only entertaining as far as the play goes, but you get to see all the antics Mm -hmm. of everybody on stage, switching parts, doing this, doing that. And how difficult, because there's a lot of special effects. There are. So how difficult is it (laughs) to set that up? Very first year that we did one of these, it was, that was the learning curve and that was the the most (laughs) difficult. And playing around with what objects uh, could make certain sounds. And for those of you who don't know, if you haven't been, these are, these radio plays are, uh, our actors um, that get cast are playing 1940s radio personalities, radio actors who are putting on a live radio play of Christmas Carol of It's a Wonderful Life or whatever they may be doing. And so our actors are playing actors in the 1940s that are putting this on. And during that time period, all of the sound effects were done live on stage by sound effects artists, Foley artists who made the sounds with objects. 
and different things on stage. So that first year figuring, they give you suggestions in the script, but the first year figuring out how to use those objects to make the sounds, that was a big learning curve. But since then, since we've done several of them in years past, it's actually been a lot simpler every time we do one of these. So what was the motivating factor to start this? People in the community that were interested in having something for for Christmas, something for the holiday season that was a a show. This time of year is really hard time-wise for everyone. There's a lot of things going on, a lot of events. People are uh, Christmas shopping. People have got more on their plate in November and December with the holidays than they do other times of the year. And so trying to put on a full script that had to be memorized and worrying about complicated costuming and chunky set pieces was not ideal for this time of year. So, um, and I don't remember how I found out about these, but I think it was suggested that what about a radio play? And then I looked up the options for Christmas radio plays and, and saw what was out there. And I was like, well, this is pretty neat because it required no memorization. So the actors didn't have to spend time memorizing. You have your script on stage. It's fun for the actors because they're actors playing actors, <laughs> playing multiple characters. They get to voice multiple characters in the in the show. And then also just the Foley artist bit of making the sound effects was just a lot of fun. And then there's there's less uh, to do on stage, set, set speaking. Most of everything is done with the props and the light. So basically it was for time and, and ease of making something easy for the holiday season but still being able to offer a show that everybody can come and enjoy um, but it's turned out to be a tradition now and uh, it worked out really well so everyone seems to love it so tell us a little bit about your background in theater in theater didn't you start relatively young <laughs> yes my mom loves the arts and theater so at a, at a pretty young age, she got my sister and I involved in community theater that we had in Appomattox growing up. And um, we played small roles when they needed like kids for certain things. <laughs> so, And also there was a familiarity to it as well because the, the director of that community theater program was also our church pastor. <laughs> so we knew him really well. We, I think... One of our first things that we did is uh, they were doing a performance of Alice in Wonderland, which he went all out every time he did a show. It was there were no corners cut. The costuming was extensive. The set was extensive. Everything about it, um, and everybody knew what to expect when uh, they came to see one of those those shows back then. So. Yeah, we were munchkins <laughs> uh, in Alice in Wonderland. That was probably one of our very first things as kids. And then um, we were ghouls and, and goblins in um, production of Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe that he did a year or two after that. And then by that point, we had gotten a little bit older, and so we started auditioning for, for other stuff uh, and got roles and then involved in high school theater which he was also the director of he pretty much was the theater man uh in appomattox wes williams he um has since passed away but he pretty much really 
struck struck a match and lit a fire under a lot of us that grew up in Appomattox. And actually many of us <laughs> under his tutelage went on to uh, work or jobs or whatever within the theater. And so, yeah, I did a lot of uh, shows with him in uh, high school as well. And we always did the one-act VHSL competition, which is Virginia High School League. They have theater competitions every year for one-act plays. We would always go to state and made it to state, which was awesome. And then one year we we won state while I was there. So yeah, it was pretty theater-heavy adolescence. (laughs) And then uh, from there, I loved it so much when I went to UVA, I, I majored in theater there. And now you're in Scottsville. And now I'm in Scottsville. And you have been acting in, I know that you were in um, Our Town. I was. I wasn't supposed to be. (laughs) But I was. I was the director of that show. And um, the actor we had cast to play, uh, George Gibbs, (laughs) ended up not being able to, like, fulfill the role in the end. So... I looked and looked and looked and tried to find someone that could fill his shoes. There was no one available. And so I ended up I ended up cutting my hair and uh, stepping into the role of 16-year-old George Gibbs, which was never planned, but actually ended up being a lot of fun. I apologize for that ringtone. Uh, it's my phone, and I don't have it near me, so it's now part of this podcast. <laughs> Now, your sister, uh-huh. so you're more of a director. Yeah. And your sister is more behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Sound yeah. and lighting. Sound and lighting. Yes. How's that going? Uh, well, I mean, she doesn't have to do much for sound in this show because the actors do it on stage. Although, she does have to make sure the microphones are live and attuned correctly, which is actually a pretty big job like making sure all the mics are a certain distance from each other and not going to get feedback and that they're at the right equalization level all things i don't understand that's why she does them uh and then um so all the the, all the sound effects are all picked up nicely and equally with the actors voices which is amazing um and then the, the lighting yes she that's her main thing so um she does the the design, the hanging on, and the focus for all of the the lights there at Victory Hall when we do shows. Um, and uh, yeah, we're actually, we haven't even done that piece yet. We're doing it in the next few days. So yeah, right before tech on Sunday. So we're, we always do everything last minute. We're able to like get it done quick though. So well, you know what you're doing. We're, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've done it a few times. And and the lights are hung. So and the lights are hung. <laughs> so yeah. And they're all hooked into the... Yeah. The with, with the last show, though, they, we did have to move them around quite a bit. So we are going to have to make a lot of adjustments and move a lot of lights for, for getting this <clears throat> set up. So I know that when I was there, you had a computer dedicated to the lights. Mm-hmm. Is that how you're still doing it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. But you also, if I... Re- remember correctly you were able to get a grant to upgrade the sound Mm -hmm. system in the theater we just finished fulfilling that grant um we got the bama works grant um 
which many of you are local listening know is the the Dave Matthews grant essentially um, and so we were able to uh, we were able to with that grant money uh, just in the last year upgrade the sound system so we have new speakers and a new sound board which is critical so we're we've caught up with the modern world now with the sound which is awesome um we were also able to purchase this may seem like a a small thing but for for me it it was big because it's been a struggle over the years but really nice lobby trash cans so when you come to the show next weekend enjoy tossing your trash into to the very pretty trash can. So I was going to say that is a and plug for concessions. It's a plug for concessions. After you've eaten your popcorn, uh, notice the beautiful trash cans you're tossing your popcorn container into. Um, and we also have we have nice trash cans that match. One is um, for bottle and can recycling, which is nice because we go through a lot of bottles and cans at concessions. And the other one's just regular trash. And then we were able to also... This is the really big one, uh, other than the sound system, is get a brand new curtain with a track. Yeah. That is so exciting because all the curtains up to this point have been hand-me-downs. Yeah. So it is a brand new curtain fitted to our stage with a track. So we are able to um, pull open it back, it open it, wow. and close it, pull it back when we need it. Um, and then we also, this is another small one like the trash cans, but... <laughs> have a nice rug runner uh, in the back that's actually the length that we need it to uh, be so to help with like uh, with the sound and stuff with footsteps in the back and whatnot so yeah so all like uh, some 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 couple big things and a couple small things but they really add up to a lot when we're talking working in the theater have you started working on next year's schedule um, we've started working on pieces of it for, at the, for the beginning of the year. Um, Courtney Walker will be doing her show that she wrote uh, a few years back called The Mom Journals. Um, we'll be doing that in March. Um, and then we'll be inviting Persimmon Tree players back for their spring show, um, which I believe they're doing in April. Um, and then beyond uh, that, we don't have f- fully planned out yet, but those are the two things you can look for in the spring. So let's come back to next weekend, not this weekend, folks, but the 15th, 15th 16th, 16th, and 17th. Okay. Yes. Tell us how ticket sales are going. Ticket sales are going really well. We've already sold quite a few tickets to this show. Um, for a lot of people, it is a tradition uh, at this point coming to this show. So, if you if you want to come, um, make sure that you secure your tickets in advance. We might still have some left for purchase, of course, at the door. Most tickets have been sold for for opening night Friday, um, and for the matinee on Sunday. So, if you're interested in either of those, I would suggest getting on that. Um, and uh, there's more availability right now, currently on Saturday, the 16th. Um, you can find the ticket link if you're buying tickets online at um, our scan website. So, svillartsandnature.org. Um, if you go there on the front page, you scroll down, you'll see the uh, poster for 
A Christmas Carol and the link for the tickets. And I'll make it even easier and put it in the written portion okay, there of you go. this podcast. Excellent. <laughs> Kristen, thank you for taking time out. I know Baines gets fairly busy. It does, yeah. And I'm sure you need to go back go to back. being coffee guru. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming up. No problem. We hope to see you uh, next weekend at A Christmas Carol. Well, you'll see me Saturday night. Excellent. (laughs) And as always, if you have a song, a story, an event, or an issue you would like to discuss, perhaps it's time for a conversation.